And uh, it's a real honor and privilege for me to be here tonight. So thank you for, for taking on the risk of having me speak and share this evening. It really is a great privilege. And it's really great um, to gather and see so many faces that I get to see on a bi-weekly basis. I want you to, to know that the pastors of your community, we get together regularly, at least every second week, to do very important spiritual work like drink good coffee and uh, share our hearts and worship and pray together for you. Um, it's very good to see so many different people. How many, how many of you are here at church for a second time today? Yeah, committed lot we are. I want to start this evening and I want to remind you of a couple of my favorite scriptures as we begin, before I even jump into the Word, I want to remind you of, of a psalm, Psalm 133. It's a very short psalm. It only has three verses, but it really sets the tone for what we're experiencing here tonight. It, said, be, it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It's like precious oil. You've got to understand that oil is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Oil on the head of Aaron running down his beard right down to the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commands the blessing. Life forevermore. As we hear tonight, the Lord doesn't suggest that we be blessed. He commands a blessing. And what is the blessing of God? Do you know that the blessing of God and the Spirit of God are in some ways synonymous terms? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there His blessing is, because He cannot be somewhere that He does not, that He is not blessed to be. And where the blessing of God rests, there His presence is. And so here we are tonight, gathered together in the very presence of God, and it reminds us of kind of what happened on the day of Pentecost. As we read in Acts chapter 2, which is what we're celebrating today, Verses 1 to 4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Sorry, I can see you clearly have memorized different versions. I'm still from the old, the New King James Version. That's still where I'm stuck. But it all, it all means the same thing. We're all together in one place for one purpose, to worship and praise the King of glory, Jesus Christ. Amen? And then there was the word Suddenly. Suddenly, something happened, and a noise came like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. I really like that, each of them. Have you ever felt in, in, in services sometimes like everybody else is getting zapped, and you kind of the onlooker? You're sitting and you're watching what's going on. The presence of God fell on each of them. Everyone had an experience and an encounter with God and His presence. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak to each other in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This wonderful reality of life in the Spirit is a narrative that begins, you may think, in the New Testament, but it is something that is spoken of and pointed to right from the Old Testament. And I realize that tonight I'm speaking to a predominantly Christian audience. I think that's kind of why you're here and why we've gathered together is because this is Pentecost Sunday. And so my message is kind of aimed at those of us who know the Lord, who are born again, who have eternal life through faith in Jesus, the risen Son of God. And that means that we have had 
in some measure or another, an encounter with the life-transforming power of God's Holy Spirit. We've had an encounter with Him. If we hadn't yet had an encounter with Him, we wouldn't be born again. We wouldn't be believers. He has opened our eyes to the reality of Jesus Christ. And so we've had an encounter, every one of us, in different measure with the Holy Spirit. And so, as I, as I said in my prayer earlier on, if you've had one encounter, if you've had God move on your heart once, you, you're certainly hungry for more. Do you not want to see more of God's love and display in your life? More of His power at work within the church, within the community in which you live? People's lives being set free, those family members that you know are struggling. Wouldn't you love to see the power of God move? We desire more people healed, people set free, people coming into the experience of liberty and life in the kingdom. And that's really why we're here tonight, because we desire more. I recently had a conversation with Siobhan, who works with me in our office, and we were talking. Uh, it was just, uh, you know, over around, around the kitchen counter, we were making coffee, and uh, we were having a conversation. We happened to be talking football, as we sometimes do. I'm an Arsenal fan. I need your prayer. But he's a Manchester United fan, so he really needs your prayer. And it just so happens we were talking about... I don't know how we got into the conversation, but I said, I would love to have a conversation, a cup of coffee with Arsene Wenger, the former manager of Arsenal Football Club. And we spoke about that for a, little, for a little while. And then he asked me a question. No one's ever really asked me before. He said, if you could pick anybody, dead or alive, that you would like to take out for lunch and have a conversation with, who would it be? Jesus is off the table. And that got me thinking. Now, who would I ask? I mean, who, what's the first person that pops into your head? Any, any suggestions here? Anybody that, that really would like to meet somebody, dead or alive? I mean, my first reaction was, you know, my grandmother because I didn't really appreciate her as much as I... There's many questions I'd really like to ask her. Uh, a lot more questions now about what my father was like when he was young. And then you kind of go, oh, I mean, but there's no holes barred here. I can ask Nelson Mandela or Winston Churchill or Mother Teresa. She'd be really, really interesting to talk to, don't you think? And I obviously started thinking of Bible people in the Bible, the Apostle Paul. You know, uh, what about... Onesimus, that servant that was good for nothing and then became so valuable and precious. And of course, I went back and I thought of Elijah and Elisha. And eventually, I landed on Moses. And I thought to myself, how I would love to sit and converse with Moses, obviously in fluent English, <laughs> about what it was like when he came to that burning bush. And that experience where God spoke to him. And what it was like when he went to Pharaoh and the rod turned into a snake. And what, what was Pharaoh's face like? I want to know. When that snake ate the other snake, I want to know what was Pharaoh's face. And you, I could just, you just kind of think through it. What about the plagues? Moses, when you walked through the water with millions of people, what was that? Could you see fish? Did any kind of lose their way and just pop out and fall in front of you? And did you throw them back? Or did you? What was that like? And what was manna like? What was it like to wake up every morning and have manna just waiting for you on the floor? And just thinking through the experiences of Moses, and I thought, I want to know, Moses, what, would it be, what was it like 
when you climb to the top of that mountain, into the clouds, into the thunder, into the roar, in the very presence of God, where it was so manifest that you came out of there with your face shining as bright. Moses, what was that like? I want to know. And it was then that Siobhan said to me, you know, Michael, you probably wouldn't be able to get past four or five questions because before Moses stopped you and said, just, just, I have just have one question for you. What's it like to have him living inside you? And it was a moment for me. And I went back to my office and I literally fell on my knees and I said, God, Moses had such an awareness of the greatness of who you are. And clearly I have lost sight. For me, I think of Moses asking that question. Can you put yourself in his shoes? Having seen and experienced the greatness of that kind of power demonstrated, how on earth could all of that fit inside you and me? How could that even be possible? That's such greatness. You see, his view of God and his view of God's glory must have made it near impossible to contemplate. And yet in that question, in that one statement, I realized, God, I take so much for granted. I have lost sight of the greatness of your presence. And I preach it and I, 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 I sing worship songs along with the rest of you and I love his presence. And I pray for people sometimes to be healed and with mixed results, sometimes yes, sometimes no. But that sense of awe that I had in that moment made me realize how low my level of expectation had dropped. And I was deeply convicted. Have we lost our sense of wonder for the one who inhabits our hearts? For the greatness of his love, for the immensity of his grace and of his power, which is still alive, which is still as magnificent as it was back then, now abiding in vessels of flesh and blood. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, prays that they have just an inkling and a revelation of what the reality of this, this new life is. Because don't forget, he too had an incredible encounter with the person of Jesus. He says in Ephesians 1 verse 19, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. That same power is within you and is within me and is experienced by those who believe. Listen to the way the Passion Translation says this. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. Your life will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. You know, sometimes we don't realize the great work that God is doing in us. I have a testimony that there is somebody I knew just as I left school, a young lady. We worked together for about three months, and we did not get on. 
we just butted heads, and I was very loud and extroverted. She is very introverted. But nonetheless, a few years later, I, through a, a wedding of a mutual friend, hooked up with another one of my friends that I had from high school, and we connected, we swapped numbers, he was now engaged, and it just so happened that he invited me over for, for dinner one night and, uh, with, with, with my wife, Helen. And we went, and we had dinner with them. And lo and behold, when I knocked on the door, the young lady who opened the door was that young lady who I had worked with for three months. And you could see her eyes go like this. And thank God she wasn't holding any plates because she would have become Greek very quickly. <laughs> anyway, she did let us in, and we enjoyed the evening. And... Uh, our friendship kindled, and um, she got on really well with my wife. My friend and I, you know, rekindled our friendship. And a few months down the line, she looked at me, and she said, Michael, what changed you? What changed you? You're not the same person that I knew back then. Sometimes the work that the Holy Spirit does within us, we don't appreciate. Those little bits, those lines upon lines, those precepts upon precepts, as the Word of God is ministered to our heart and we embrace them and we begin to walk them out, the Holy Spirit is at work. But I want to say to you, there is still so much more. Because what happened through that testimony is that the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God was working and at work in my life. But Pentecost is all about the Holy Spirit at work, not just in your life, but through your life. Acts 1 verse 8 says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Power. I'm not talking about some once-off euphoric experience that we have in a church meeting somewhere. I believe God longs for us to enjoy the lived experience of His power at work within us and through us every single day. Every single moment of every single day that we are so aware of His presence that He is able to work through us into the lives of others. Then when we see other people, we see them not just according to the flesh, but we're able to speak words of life, words of encouragement, words that come from the very heart of God. There's an old story of Andrew Murray, who uh, at the turn of last century was a minister. You all know who Andrew Murray is out in Wellington. And there's a story of him walking down Main Street, Wellington one day as an old man. And along the way, he just stopped for a moment. And somebody came up to him and said, Reverend Murray, are you okay? And he says, yes, I'm fine, thank you. As I was going, I just lost the sense of God's presence for a moment, and I didn't want to take another step until I'd regained it. Isn't that incredibly powerful, folks? A man who had an awareness of the greatness that was within him and determined to live his life in response to that wonderful witness, to that wonderful helper. Jesus said this, John 14, 12, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these, because I go to my Father. And like the disciples, we wonder, how on earth will this be? Jesus, this makes no sense. We're going to do greater works because you're going away. The only reason we're doing these works is because you're here. How is that going to happen? But here's the interesting thing. Jesus actually explains what he means by that in the preceding two verses. 
He says, don't believe, or do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Sometimes we think that Jesus, just because he was the Son of God, that he did these works because he was Jesus, right? But he himself said, I do nothing except that which I see the Father do. He says here, the Father who dwells in me does the works. Is that not the same Father who dwells in you and dwells in me? And this is how we do these greater works. On another occasion, in trying to explain this to his disciples, he said in John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away, because if I do not go, the helper, the paraclete, the advocate will not come. Folks, as I was praying about what to share this evening, And I had so many different ways of going about it. I've had a couple of weeks to think about it. And where am I going to go? What am I going to say? There was one moment where I sort of stopped. And I just said, Holy Spirit, I'm going to be talking about you. What do you want me to say? That's actually probably where I should have started. And he said this to me. He said, I am called the helper. I am the one who comes alongside And I said, what are you called to help me with? And that was the key question. He said, I've come to help you do the same thing I helped Christ to do. Jesus went around doing good and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That's it. As simple as that. You see, the Holy Spirit's not just here so that I can have a very big profitable business. He's not just here so that I can have my peace and my joy. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit has come to help us build the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I will build my church. So technically it's him who is doing it. And it's by his grace and his power that he's doing it. But you see, God is longing to demonstrate his manifest love and his manifest power through his church today. Say, that's me. Let's try that again. That's me. (laughs) But what's it going to take? Because let's be honest, are you seeing this on a daily? Are you seeing this in your everyday life? Are you seeing this working itself out in your workplace, in your community, in your family, in your school, in your college or university setting? Is this finding manifestation in your life? What would I say to Moses? What's it like having him within me? Would I have to tell Moses with tears running down his face, actually, I kind of ignore him most of the time. Actually, I'm I'm aware he's there and I'm so grateful that he's forgiven me. But I'm so busy that I don't really have as much time as I'd like to, you know, worship him. I was so convicted by that question. Let me just share with you a quote from A.W. Tozer as I round up. He says that the doctrine of the Spirit is buried dynamite. 
Its power awaits discovery and use by the church. The power of the Spirit will not be given to any mincing assent or pneumatological truth. The Holy Spirit cares not at all whether we write Him into our creeds or in the back of our hymnals. He awaits emphasis. You see, folks, we can know about this wonderful reality in our minds. We can thank God and praise Him for this incredible Holy Spirit that is placed within us. But I don't believe we have a clue yet of the greatness of the power that God longs to bring to bear in your life and through your life. The power to truly set free from sin. The power to truly deliver from bondages and besetting habits. The power to truly lead and guide and bring revelation. The power to bring us into the full experience of the love of God. A little bit later in his book in the Ephesians, to the Ephesians, in chapter 3, Paul writes, he says, I pray that you would have a revelation of the height and the depth and the length and the breadth of the love of God which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I want to say to you tonight, maybe my testimony, maybe this wrestle that I am now entering into, and folks, I haven't landed, this is a, a really good heart arrest for me. And I hope that what it's been to me, it can be to you tonight to say, hey, I have so much more than I have really realized. That I've taken so much for granted and I've become satisfied with so little when there is truly so much. And if that's you tonight, I want to ask you to just bow your head with me and let's just spend a moment Maybe if the worship team wants to come up and just uh, put, put something on the keys or just. Father, as we think about Pentecost, as we think about the power of your spirit, which came down and. And when the people looked on, they said, these guys are drunk. They're under the influence of something. Father God, how much we long to be under your influence. So much more than we experience on the daily. Father, we want to come before you tonight. And we want to repent. We want to turn our, our eyes, as the old hymn says, upon Jesus tonight. And we want to look full into your wonderful face. So that all the things that keep us so wrapped up in busyness, that keep us toiling and striving, sometimes even striving for that which you've already freely given. We want to pray, Father, in this moment, as we're before you, that all other things would fade away into insignificance, when we consider the greatness of your presence and that which you've placed within us. And if what I've shared tonight has touched your heart, I want to invite you to stand with me. And I'm not going to come ask you to come forward, but I do want to pray a prayer and that those who, 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 
who like me want to say tonight, Lord, forgive me for being satisfied with so little. Forgive me, Father, because I've taken for granted what you've put within me. Would you stand with me tonight as we cry out to the Lord for more? Oh, Father God, thank you for every heart here tonight. Thank you for your presence in this place. And thank you for your presence within. Holy Spirit, we speak to you tonight and we say, would you forgive us for underestimating you, for taking you for granted? Would you forgive us, Lord, for just inviting you in and almost ignoring you. Thank you that despite our attitude, Lord God, your heart towards us is still to love and to give and to bless and to pour out. And so tonight in your presence here, Lord, we open our hearts to you afresh. And we say, Holy Spirit, would you come and breathe on us afresh tonight? Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Wind of God, would you blow upon our hearts? Fall on us afresh tonight. We determine this moment, Lord God, that as we leave this place, we will set our hearts, Father. Set our hearts to the pursuit of your presence. We will be more mindful of you, Lord, by your grace, we pray. Help us in our weakness, where we are unable would you come and make up the difference? Thank you for all you have given us, Lord, so freely. Through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your Holy Spirit here tonight. The Spirit.